verse 9. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a great, great morning. We get to share in communion with one another. Always excited to do that. So we're going to read just a little bit in the book of Luke this morning. Um, it is awesome to be able to gather together on, on Christmas Day. It, it's not very often that Christmas Day rolls around on a Sunday, so it's really special to be able to, to share Christmas morning with you guys. Um, so let's start in Luke. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a, de- a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place um, while... Uh, Uh, first census that took place while uh, uh, Quirinius, his name, was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph, he also went up from the town of Nazareth of Galilee to Judah, uh, to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, but the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those to whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day when it was time, uh, well, we won't worry about that, um, that Jesus was, he was named Jesus just as the angel had given before he was conceived. So the thing that I wanted to bring up in this passage is that it's very easy for us in this Christmas season to consistently look at um, a depiction of, of like a horse stable and like a manger and all these animals and that's like where our mind stops a lot of times you have this brief imagery of the uh, um, what is that what is it called the uh, no no the oh my goodness the word is slipping my mind um, the nativity scene that's the word I'm looking for the nativity scene that's like that's the that's a huge depiction that we usually get whenever we think of this season, we think of Christmas Day. 
but I think that it's just because of, you know, traditional holiday season, and that's, you know, you have people who have the nativity scene out in their yard, maybe, with, you know, lit up and different things, um, that we kind of miss, miss some of the great things that happened around all of these things, because we just look at the nativity scene, but I think that in this passage, Luke does a wonderful job, he just kind of jumps through, and Jesus was born, and there was, a, there, was a, there was a position here, and that was great, and this is where they were at, but he really highlights the, the telling and the communication that these shepherds had and these people had whenever they found out that the Messiah was born, when they heard that Jesus was born, and these angels decreed and declared and, and spoke out all the good things that were going to happen and said that peace was going to come forth from this. That's, that's an amazing declaration that happens. So it wasn't the fact that, oh, come and look, there's a baby here laying in a manger. That's going to be cool. Um, that wasn't like the, the whole reason why they came is because there's a nativity scene. They came because of the one who was born and because what was going to happen from there. And so just to have a, a nativity scene as the outlook of what was going to be happening, um, that should not just be the place that our, our mind stops at is just looking at the nativity scene. It's a great thing, and it's wonderful, but we tend to lose sight of what the shepherds did after they came and saw Christ as well. Even from a place when Jesus was a baby, you had the people who came and who were impacted by him went out and told other people, and they were in awe of what they'd heard. It's easy to want to come to a place and to say, okay, we're coming, we're bringing gifts. This is the, the place where we, uh, the time that we get to you know, share things with one another, and that's wonderful, but it's the telling of the stories that's, that's very impactful and very helpful for us in this Christmas season. Um, also, interestingly enough, if you go through and you look at what the, what the manger, what the inn, what this place, this side room um, really was, is it wasn't like a barn in the backyard. It was actually like a, like a separate room, a separate space in the household of, um, of an individual. They had a separate space where they would also keep certain animals possibly in these areas, almost like a storage center, but it wasn't a huge barn in the back of, you know, who knows where. It was actually like a room, an actual room inside of this area. And so even the nativity scene that we typically have is a little incorrect in the way that it actually was in those days. And so I think that it's, it's a great that we do have tradition. It's great that we do um, have uh, just wonderful imagery and all the colors and things that come with this Christmas season. But we can get lost in the midst of all that stuff and lose sight of the declaring of the good news that Jesus Christ was born. And this was something that, that Athanasius in our, our, uh, our series that we've been doing, this short series of in, uh, on the incarnation, is that Athanasius was very adamant about not forgetting what it truly meant for Jesus to be born and then to live the life that he did as God and as man for the purpose of going to the cross for our sins and then rising from the grave after that. And that's the story that we get to carry on. It's not just that, oh, Jesus was born and this is why we do this thing here. It's, it's not just that he was born. It's that he was born so that he could die, so that he could rise. And it's the, it's the sharing of that story. It's the sharing of, of that truth and what that means to you in your life is a huge importance of this holiday season. Uh, it's one of the reasons why, why uh, of course, in, in Jewish tradition, they would have multiple festivals and seasons and feasts and festivals, all these things, so that they could remember and recall the good deeds of, of God 
and what he had done from generation to generation, from season to season, from time to time. And so this isn't just like, oh, great, we get to go to Hobby Lobby and buy a bunch of new stuff and, you know, redecorate the house and put up trees and that's fun and all. I mean, I love, this is one of my favorite seasons of all time. It's just so fun to have all the house decorated and the Christmas stuff, all the home alone watching and all the things that you <laughs> tend to do around this time of the year. Um, but it's also extremely important that we take time to share with one another what God has done in your life and have this, especially at the tail end of the year, to reflect back on what God has done in the middle of this year. Things that you've struggled with, things that you've gone through, things that you um, have been impacted by, and then be able to give God glory because you're able to stand here today and still say that I have breath in my lungs and that there is still light at the end of the tunnel because 2023 is coming up. And so now we have an opportunity to walk into a new year with a new perspective and possibly even walk in there with greater transformation and greater freedom in your life. And so that's a great testimony to have. This is a declaration of peace on earth. When, when Jesus came as a baby, this was, the f this was a huge moment of impact that happened, as you can see, that because Christ came and he was born, peace on earth could actually happen. It doesn't mean that the enemy is not coming against, uh, against us, and doesn't mean the enemy is not working. And I mean, for sure, he's still doing things, but it means that, that you yourself can carry the Prince of Peace with you. That you can now walk out in this freedom, even though things are going crazy around you, you can walk with the peace that the Lord has given you because it is he who is the savior of the world. He is the greatest gift. And so we look at, thi at these things and we don't just see a nativity scene. We see the progression of what this leads us into towards the end. And this is where I want to read just a little bit from St. Athanasius and then we'll go on to, um, to having some communion. I want to keep this very brief. And he says this towards the end of, of his book on the incarnation. He says, but in addition to the study and true knowledge of the scriptures, there is needed a good life and a pure soul and the virtue which is according to Christ. So that the mind guided by it, guided by the scriptures, guided by your study and your, your good virtue, you may be able to attain and comprehend what it desires as far as it is possible for human nature to learn about the word of God. Without a pure mind and a life modeled on the saints, no one can comprehend the words of the saints. So that's important. I know m many of us may not read a whole bunch of literature from early church history, but this goes along with any kind of Bible study that you do, any kind of conversation that you have with people that you deem as being a, a trustworthy source of, of wisdom and, uh, and, and uh, discernment. In order to actually abide by the things that you're listening to and that the Holy Spirit's leading them to say in the midst of your conversation, in order for you to actually walk out in these things, you have to actually be enraptured by who God is in the midst of that and place him at the center, which is why we've talked a lot about idolatry over the past few weeks. Because when we have idolatry alive and well in our life, when that is, is, is on a huge place in our focus, then that means that we're not actually focusing on who Christ has called us to be. We're not focusing on the purity and the holiness of Christ. And if we're not doing that, then it's very easy for us to make uh, compromises in our life. It's very easy for us to say, ah, I feel like this is going to be okay for me. And you start to base your, your, uh, your actions, you start to base even your, your thoughts about God off of just how you feel instead of what is true. And that's an issue that we see a lot of times in today's society. It's more of what you feel 
more of what looks good or kind of makes you feel good. Oh, there's no way that a good God can make. No, no, no. What does scripture say? This is the definition of good, pure, and holy. Not what society is trying to tell you. Not what just just makes you feel like, oh, there's no way to do. No, no, no. What, what does the Bible say about holiness, about purity, about righteousness, about truth? That is supposed to be the foundation that we live our lives by. And so without a pure mind in a life modeled on the saints, no one can comprehend the words of the saints. For just as if someone would wish to see the light of the sun, he would certainly wipe and clear his eyes, purifying himself to be almost like that which he desires. So that as, uh, so that as the eye thus becomes light, it may see the light of the sun. Or just as if someone would wish to see a city or a country, he would certainly go to that place for the sight. In the same way, one wishing to comprehend the mind of the theologians must first wash and cleanse his soul by his manner of life and approach the saints themselves by the imitation of their works so that being with them in the conduct of a common life, he may understand also the things revealed to them and as joined to them may escape the peril of the sinners and the fire on the day of judgment but may receive what has been laid up for the saints in the kingdom of heaven, which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have they entered into the heart of man. Whatsoever things have been prepared for those who live a virtuous life and love God the Father in Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom and with whom to the Father and with the Son himself, in the Holy Spirit be honor, power, and glory for the ages of ages to come. Amen. So what I wanted to get at with this is that it's very easy for us to come to church and to, to just kind of hang out, listen to sermons that, that could possibly impact your life, that could, that could really drive you towards reading the scripture. But if, if your heart is not in a place to receive those words, then it's just going to be another group and pairing of words and speeches that are just communicated, and then you walk away, and there's nothing that happens from there. But if you really want to be, be impacted whenever we gather with one another, whenever we sing these songs, that's why sometimes you can see whenever we sing some songs, some people are just not very impacted by the words that are, that are sung. And then you see some people who have experienced breakthrough in their life and transformation, forgiveness, the compassion of the Lord. It could be the worst singer in the world, but the, but the things that they're singing, the words that they're proclaiming, the, the things that are, that are being declared from their heart, it just touches them so much because they know the one who they're singing to it doesn't become about a performance it becomes about the relationship and the intimacy that you can have with the one to whom we're singing and this is the importance also of communion when we approach the lord's table it's not just another traditional act that we do in church this is an impactful and powerful thing that we get to take part of that we've been charged with doing it's it's the remembrance of the body and blood of jesus christ of what he did not just that he was born as a little baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and we have a couple nice songs that we sing about it, and it's, you know, it's great we exchange presents, you know, maybe, maybe some of you guys will go home and do that today, maybe you did it this week already, um, whatever the case may be, that's all good and wonderful, but what is the purpose of remembering that we're doing this even? It was that Jesus Christ came, he was born, and he wasn't just a regular dude who was born on earth. He was God incarnate. Fully God and fully man so that he could grow up and to be a, 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 a righteous man. 
live a life that was completely perfect, loving and compassionate, speaking truth with every word that came out of his mouth, went to the cross, died for our sins, and then rose victoriously three days later so that we can have the salvation that's available to us today, so we can have freedom that's available to us today, so that we can have forgiveness that's available to us today, so we can be reconciled, we can be transformed. It's a powerful thing we get to partake in. And so we're going to, we're going to uh, participate in partaking of, of the elements, and Daniel's going to come up. And uh, I saw this not too long ago. I was in Pennsylvania, and one of my buddy's churches, and they had, they had bread, and they were able to break the bread. You could see them break the bread and hand it to you. So she's going to wear gloves because I know that it's a, it's a sticky season right now with a lot of people getting the sneezes and the, and the nostril drips and all that stuff. So she's going to put on some gloves so that everybody feels comfortable and all that. But um, we would love for you guys to, to make your way over here. She's going to break off a piece of this bread. And as she breaks it, really think about Christ's body being broken for you, the ripping and the tearing of the bread. And she's going to hand it to you, and then she's, uh, you'll also be able to grab um, uh, one of the communion cups, and you guys can go to your seats, and then we'll partake of the elements. So if you guys would, just make your way up to the front and then get you some of the, we also have, um, oh yeah, you guys can come this way to the middle aisle and then you can go out that side. If you are um, gluten free, like gluten, uh, then we do have some bread for you. So you just let Danielle know that you would desire not to have the gluten filled bread <laughs> and she'll hook you up with that. So I just want to take just a few moments right now, too, because I think it's really important. Paul tells us that he even kind of reprim uh, reprimands um, some of the people who are within the Corinthian church, saying that some of you guys are sick and ill in your bodies because you have not partaken of the elements with a, a reverence in your life. 
And so this is not in, in, a, in a condemning form or anything like that, but I think it's important that, that there's also some affliction that we can have not just in our, in our physical body, but also in our mental state. Maybe it's um, you've been having a lot of unrest in your life because there's some unforgiveness that's still being held inside. Maybe, maybe it's um, a process of, of sin that you have not completely surrendered. Uh, uh, I shared a couple weeks ago that sometimes we, we lay down our issues and our problems at the door, at the front door of the church as we walk in, feeling like the presence of the Lord is great here, which it is, and it's wonderful, but then we encounter some amazing, we feel, we feel great when we're in the presence of God, but then we walk out because and we walk out picking up those things again because we don't walk out knowing the person of Jesus. We just know about the presence of Jesus. Just like as if you have muddy, muddy shoes and you go to someone's house, you take those shoes off at the door, and you walk around and your feet are, are essentially clean at the bottom. You're not scuffing up their, their floors or anything, but then when you walk out of the house, you put those shoes back on and you have dirty feet again. So it's a cleansing completely, getting rid of those things inside and actually positioning yourself to where you give God the glory and you allow him to cleanse you from those things that are unrighteous, those things that are holding you back and, and holding you away from experiencing true transformation. And also realize that this is a process that we walk through, so don't feel like you are, um, you are unable to participate if you're struggling in the midst of walking in that freedom. There's a process, and this is wonderful. It's a great reminder of this in your life. And this is why I think it's important for us not to just partake of communion just at the church, but this is something we can do in our daily lives. This is something we could do often. I would love to do this daily, but I don't remember to do this whenever, whenever I would like to on a daily basis, but we try to do it as we can. We'll re- hey, let's take communion tonight. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And so we have like a special little cup that we even put, put the stuff in and everything too. So it's like we, we try to make it purposeful whenever we do participate with this with, uh, within our house. But this is very important that before we partake of this, uh, the psalmist David, he writes, search my heart. Search my heart. So let's take just a few moments and ask the Lord, Lord, search my heart. And then if there's anything that pops in your head, then just ask the Lord to forgive you or to help you walk through that. The first step is just recognizing it and then releasing it to the Lord. Search our heart, Jesus. Show us the things that that may not be pleasing to you. Show us the things that have taken place as an idol in our life. And help us remove those things. Father, we want to please you. We want to honor you in everything that we do. So in those moments where we could tend to, to migrate towards those idols again, Remind us of your goodness and let us be able to see you in the midst of that thing so that we can offer that to you as a sacrifice continually and consistently. So now as you grab the bread, you remember the body that was broken, your body that was broken, Jesus. By partaking of this bread, we recognize the price that you paid on the cross for us. 
We recognize your presence in the room. And you as a center, as we partake of this bread, why don't you guys join with me? bruised for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And by his stripes we are healed. Jesus, we remember the blood that you shed on the cross, the stripes that you bore on your back, the crown that was placed and shoved on your head, the blood that you sweat at the garden. We remember the ultimate price that you paid so that we can be healed, body, soul, and spirit. We believe in, the, in your ability to heal. We believe in your, in your capabilities of transforming us. And so we receive completely and totally your blood this morning in remembrance of what you've done and receiving this for our own lives. Why don't you guys join with me? you guys stand with me this morning relatively short service but this is very meaningful and impactful as we go through we went through this book kind of there's a lot that I didn't I didn't cover there's some really good stuff if you're really interested in that topic then I encourage you to get the uh, to get the book they have it on Amazon on the incarnation they have it's forwarded by C.S. Lewis and uh, and Friar John Baer wonderful, wonderful, wonderful job. C.S. Lewis kind of shows as he uh, has his own translation, he, he brings forth um, an introduction into, the, into the, uh, the book itself. And then John Baer also opens up as he's dedicated much of his, his times as a, uh, as a theologian to breaking down Athanasius's writings. And so he spent time and time again going through it. So it's a wonderful read. It's not that long of a book, so it's, uh, it's, it's not that difficult to get through, but there is a little bit of like some elevated language in there, you could say. Um, so sometimes it's like a slow munch. You can munch on it a little bit at a time. It's really good. But I um, hope you guys enjoyed kind of going through a little bit of the incarnation. There's, there's so much to deal with instead of just looking at baby Jesus and, you know, it's just Mary, is that the whole process is that it's Jesus. Whether Jesus was a baby or an adult, the whole process was the aspect of Christ coming on earth and then him being raised up, doing the things that he did to declare him as Messiah so people could be recognized, so people could recognize that he was Messiah, and then also him teaching us how to live life as a human, as the second Adam, is what they call him in scripture, the second Adam, defining what it means to walk in holiness and in true relationship with God, dying on the cross and then raising from the grave, that whole entire process, it, it didn't just happen at the cross. We see this through the entirety of his life. And this is something we get to celebrate on Christmas. So it's not just baby Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. It's very easy for us to define these things that way, but it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And we see him just as John wrote, in the beginning was the word. So it's not just when he was just baby Jesus. It's Jesus from the beginning of all things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
he was not created. He's not subordinate. He is God. And so if we truly believe that Jesus is God, then everything that he did is all-powerful and overriding of any sin, any condemnation that could ever try to come against you, knowing that you are truly free in Christ. You are truly set free. You are truly can be transformed by the renewing of your mind and recollecting consistently, remembering, putting Jesus at the center of everything that you do. Recalling him in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and then when you lie your head down. The Jews have a prayer that they would go through. They would pray in the morning as they start their day, that God would bless their day and they would remember him through there. And at night, they even pray that he speaks to them in their dreams. It's a wonderful thing that consistently, 24 hours a day, God would be able to speak to you. And so if we can truly place Christ at the center of all things, then that means that he is on our mind at all times. That means in every act that we do, we're doing it to honor Jesus, not to impress man. Every word that we speak is to glorify God, not to try to earn influence in people's lives. We let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us in the midst of those things. If we keep honor on our lips, then that's going to be the thing that leads us as we're led by the Holy Spirit. And it's not going to be trying to impress somebody so that we can move up the ladder of, of, cor of corporate understanding or anything like that. But Jesus, he will be the one that blesses you with what you need to have. He will lead you and open the doors that need to be open. He will shut the doors that need to be closed. So God, we thank you so much for the reminders of laying down idols and for picking up our cross and following after you. God, for, for consistently dying to our selfish desires and keeping honor at the forefront of what we do, honoring your name, honoring your example, honoring your nature, and honoring you. Thank you that you rose from the grave and you were not a martyr that just died and that's it. Thank you that you were not just another good teacher. Thank you that you were not just another good leader, that you were not just another good person walking around, that you were not just another good historical figure, but that you are God and that you are among us. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us and, to, and to, to correct us and to convict us. And thank you that we get to participate in traditions that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation to remind us of your goodness and of your faithfulness, to remind us of what it truly means to worship you and to honor you, what it truly means to gather with one another and to celebrate who you are, that God, it doesn't matter who is standing up here at this pulpit preaching, that that should not be the thing that drives us to come to this place, but it is to gather with your people to celebrate you, that it doesn't matter who's standing on stage leading worship, that we get to all glorify your name, and that's the thing that we get to gather around is, is you, Jesus. We give you thanks because you're worthy of it. We give you praise because you deserve it. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So let us remember that this is your kingdom, that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We celebrate you this Christmas holiday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, for sending Jesus 
in the humble way that he came so that even the most simple and lowly feeling person could relate and feel like they could also walk in holiness and righteousness. We love you. Praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas. And we'll see you guys on the first of the year. We get to celebrate two holidays. Bam, bam. One week after another. That's wonderful.